you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter number 1. And today is going to be uh, shorter on purpose simply because we have a lunch that we want to do on behalf of Kathy in honor of her. Um, so I'm going to be short on purpose. So with that considered, our theme, if you'll go back to the life slide. So our theme for the year, uh, which Miss Victoria designed, I love, the, I love the take on the life game, that's, or the life cereal, is it life game or cereal? Okay, um, but I love, the, I love the, uh, the color scheme, I love the layout, but of course, life underneath, if you look, we've been covering love, identity, freedom, and encounter. I've spoke on all of those. I, I normally would do this for a whole year, periodically, like once a month, once every other month, do a topical message as we're going through the book of John. Uh, we're going verse by verse, but this is, this is an opportunity to just take a topic and to focus on it. But due to COVID, we haven't had a really a, a good solid year where we've had to access to our screen, uh, things of that nature. But today what I'd like to do is just take letter E, encounter, and speak on the idea of encountering God. Now, before we actually read the text, I'm going to cover a few things uh, just by way of introduction and just some thoughts that I had kind of off the cuff. And when I asked my kids last night, uh, we were just sitting around the dinner table, uh, and Jennifer as well, I said, hey, what, do you, what are some encounters that you recall in the Bible that just kind of stick out to you? And they had different responses. And it was interesting as we were talking about that, and then my wife and I were talking about it this morning, uh, we both woke up really early and, and we just had this conversation this morning about encounters. Um, and the, the topic went kind of like this. It's very interesting that sometimes you could refer to miracles of Jesus, right? And equate that as an encounter with Jesus. But oftentimes Jesus just meets average ordinary people and has a dialogue and a relationship with them. Right? Or at least he, he's introducing himself. Now the miracle might come afterwards to demonstrate or to manifest that he is God in the flesh. That might happen. But quite often, Jesus is just living life at, on purpose, of course. But as he's going from town to village to city to other towns, he's running into people and he's having an exchange with them. An encounter. You know, like even in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, after Jesus rose from the dead, he meets these two, and they're all disappointed because they thought Jesus was the Christ, and they didn't think he rose from the dead. And he has an encounter with them. There's no miracle performed. All there is is an exchange. And Jesus says all these things from Moses uh, in the law and in the prophets and the Psalms. He said, uh, all these things are written concerning me, and then he expounded unto them uh, in the scriptures all things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I get it. Sometimes, you know, sometimes people um, seek the hand of God before the heart of God. For example, when Jesus fed the multitudes, uh, I think it was Chloe that brought up the Jesus had an encounter with the boy with the loaves and the fish. And then Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish. That was a miracle, but then that only lasted for that meal's 
duration. And then biologically speaking, you get re-hungry. And so the next chapter in John 6, they come to Jesus, and Jesus says, you don't seek me for me. You seek me because you were fed and you were filled. They didn't want the encounter with God. They They would rather have the hand of God than the heart of God, is what I'm saying. So what I'm talking about is not the blessings, but the blessor. That's the encounter I'm talking about. The miracles may come, or they may not, right? But we're talking about seeking the heart of God rather than seeking the hand of, or the, the hand of God. Hi, Kathy. Good to see you back there. <laughs> um, it's not Kathy's replacement, but it's just interesting that we have a Kathy leaving and a Kathy uh, just joining the church. So these encounters with God. Let's pray and then I'll kind of go over a few and then we'll get into our text and then make a couple points and then uh, be done. And then we need to be sensitive to the, the Koreans that are coming. They, they try setting up at 1230. And so I'd like to be uh, done well before uh, 1230 with the lunch just to be sensitive uh, to us co-oping our uh, facilities. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would guide us. Because you're in us, we daily have this walk with you. You're not externally outside of us. We don't need to seek you or go find you. You're not just isolated to places of worship or buildings, but you're in the heart of all your born-again believers. So we had an encounter with you. We received you. Your life is in us. Our life is yours. We're forever connected to you, and I appreciate that. Lord, but to the extent that we appropriate or, uh, I guess, realize this relationship that we have, help us to uh, have these encounters, plural, after our initial encounter with you when we first received you into our lives. I pray that the Lord, whatever this message, however it takes shape, that it would make sense and that people would leave here uh, encouraged wanting to express what they've experienced as they walk with you, as they encounter your life and engage your life and then encounter other people and engage other people that do not have your life. May we give out what we got freely. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So encounters with God. Um, Real quick, let's do this. What's an encounter that, that sticks out to you? As I've asked my family around the dinner table, uh, let's, let's just kind of open it up just real quick, real brief, like, like five, ten seconds. What's, a, what's an encounter that you're thinking of that God had uh, with someone else in the Bible? Woman at the well. No miracle, just an encounter. What else? Nicodemus. Yep. Uh, different, different person, but an encounter nonetheless. Burning bush. Moses. Good one. Paul. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. See the difference that we're taking here? There's there like miracles and then there's encounters. So it's quite interesting uh, what people uh, bring out. And of course, they're all encounters with God. As God penetrated, you know, the visible from the invisible, he came and he made himself known. Um, I wrote down Adam and Eve in the garden. Of course, he had an encounter with them. And I think it's very interesting that as you read the Genesis account, the Bible says, and the voice of the Lord God was walking. How does the voice walk? But that word was manifest, and that word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And it's interesting that you read John chapter 1 in Genesis. John kind of parallels, uh, and he almost introduces this new creation idea. 
um, as the Lord Jesus uh, comes and as the word walks amongst us. Abraham and Sarah, uh, Enoch, he had an encounter with God. He was walking with him. He had faith in him. And then God took him up to be with him. And Enoch didn't even taste death. Interesting, seventh descendant uh, from Adam. And he lived 365 years. I just thought that that's kind of weird. Um, uh, Jacob encountered the Lord, wrestled with him. And, and of course, when you have an encounter with God um, and you have faith in God, your life is forever changed, as was with Jacob. Moses was mentioned at the burning bush. Also, Moses, um, he had an encounter with God. Remember, Moses said, I want to see you. But God said, you can't see me. No man can see me and live. And so he put him in the cleft of the rock. I think this is in um, Exodus 33, around there, 32. Um, so you have uh, Moses having an encounter with God. Peter, James, and John go up to the Mount of Transfiguration, right? They have this, this life-changing uh, encounter with the Lord. Um, Paul, someone mentioned that, uh, and his name, uh, he, was, he encountered the Lord when he was Saul, and then he was converted, and then uh, the Lord, of course, as he does, he changes people's names, and he changed it to Paul. Isaiah, I thought, was a very interesting one in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah sees the Lord for who the Lord really is, and then Isaiah, Isaiah sees himself for who Isaiah really is. Remember, he said, Woe is unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And his whole ministry was based on his words, his lips. And he's basically concluding, compared to the holiness of the Lord and the unholiness of me, who he probably thought he was doing okay, in light of seeing who God really is, you see yourself for who you really are. Does that make sense? So he had an encounter. Um, and I, my wife brought up something very interesting this morning. She was saying that um, it's interesting that Jesus just has encounters with everyday average people. Just take Nicodemus and the woman at the well, who you guys just mentioned. Nicodemus was kind of, he was a ruler, kind of like a, you know, more of a significant person in the, I guess, in the social strata, but he never really does anything. You know, you don't really read it much about the results of that, not insignificant, but the woman at the well, whole city almost comes to Christ, you know, but you have these like, Jesus is meeting, and I use this in quotes, insignificant people, but he, he makes our insignificance significant because Jesus just loves people. Everyday, average, run-of-the-mill, like us, people, and he wants to have an encounter with you so that you could know him and then hopefully make him known. Amen? So let's turn to um, Revelation chapter 1. Now, when you approach the book of Revelation, your editor might have said the revelation of St. John the Divine or something like that, but that's an added thing. The book is actually, should be titled, based off of verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not revelations. A lot of people say, turn to the book of Revelations. It's the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signifying this by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things which he saw. 
Blessed is he that reads, and they hear the words of this prophecy and keep them, those things which are written therein, for uh, the, the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. So he's the beginning, he's the present, and he's the future. Um, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Now, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but that's different than what happened to Jesus. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, right? When you have resurrection life, it's never ending. Lazarus was raised and then he died. So Jesus is the first begotten. So you might think of this, he's the last Adam. Everyone that was um, from Adam in the garden, uh, you're born, body, soul, dead spirit, then you die. Everyone that's born again after the last Adam, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, you receive Jesus. Now you have resurrection life. In other words, when you die, you go to be with the Lord and you get a new resurrected body because you're in the new creation, the new covenant. Uh, you're in the, where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded side of the cross. And so he says, um, Jesus is faithful witness, first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. I know everyone's concerned about the election, and you should be. Uh, you should be a good citizen of America, but you should be also a great citizen uh, of the king of kings. Your citizenship is in heaven, right? And, and so Jesus is the prince of all the presidents, all the kings, all the queens, all, the, all those in power, um, every head will bow and every uh, knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sins in his own blood. Amen. I love that passage. Um, so all of your sins have been bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And amen just means thus saith I agree, so be it, or true, I agree. But do you really agree? You have been made a king and a priest. That doesn't matter if you're a male or a female, Jew or Gentile, you have been made a king and a priest in the kingdom where the king of kings and lord of lords is head of it all. I know it seems dire. I know everything seems like we've got COVID fatigue. We've got political uncertainty. We've got financial um, uh, forecasts that, that look bleak. I know everything seems kind of weird, but then you read these verses, and we are forever joined with the one who's got it, God. Amen. Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and also they which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth uh, shall um, wail because of him. Even so, amen. And look at this. Jesus chimes in and says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Of course, that's the, the A to Z of the Greek alphabet. And he says, um, which is and was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, he uses the phrase that is exclusive to Jehovah God in the Old Covenant, meaning that Jesus is God. This is a great deity verse. Verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and the kingdom of and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ uh, was on the isle called Patmos uh, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Remember, he was the only apostle that didn't die a martyr's death. He just was kind of uh, exiled to this penal colony, this island, to live out his life in old age and die there. 
I was in the Spirit in the Lord's Day, which was Sunday. Today is the Lord's Day. Why? Because it's the day Jesus rose from the dead. The Sabbath is Saturday. The Lord's Day is Sunday. We call it Sunday. The Jews had it as a calendar day. It would have been the, the first day of the week, the Sabbath being the seventh day, instituting a new creation, a new Sabbath, so to speak. Um, and he says in verse 11, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, uh, what you see right in a book. So this encounter you're having, experience it and express it, which John does. And he sent it to the seven churches, uh, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I don't have much time, but what I would like you to think about is uh, in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, he addresses these seven churches. Five of them have problems, and two of them are just okay. He, he starts with, you know, commendation oftentimes, but he, he also addresses correction. Now, let me say this. Could it be, these weren't the only seven churches that were in existence. They're just hand-selected churches that Jesus wants to illustrate something. But could it be, by way of application, that maybe if Jesus was to address our church, there would be some issues here too? Considering most of the New Testament, even under the hand of the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to churches, and there's oftentimes some correction, right? All I'm saying is you are the church, the pastor's not the church, the deacons aren't the church, the building's not the church, obviously, the people are the church. Now, I don't want you to, you know, think of the person next to you, well, I'll tell you what's wrong with this church, them, <laughs> or them, or them, or them. I want you to think internally and do your own inventory, right? Start there and ask yourself, well, I wonder what it is that Jesus, if he were to correct this church and me being a part of this body and the church, I wonder what it is what, that Jesus would, would correct in me, Right? I wonder what it is. I wonder what he would say uh, about me and my level of participation um, or lack thereof in the church. Am I helping it? Am I hindering it? Can I make it better? What could I do? Right? And just, just think about that uh, as we are the church. And, um, okay, uh, verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, uh, wait, uh, okay, um, and I turned, verse 12, uh, to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. So you have here, he's, he's dressed regally, uh, in royalty, um, in majesty. His head... Uh, and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. This is very interesting that Jesus, um, in this revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he's, uh, he's displayed here with white hair, not like the pictures that you normally see, but white hair signifying wisdom, right? Agedness, but wisdom, and he's, he's throughout all ages, and he's the ageless one. Now look at this. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. Not like the pictures you see of Jesus, is it? But this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you'd want to draw a picture, 
this is this is it. This is where you get your cue from. You know, white hair, robe down to the feet, gold, eyes, flame of fire. What does this signify? The eyes that could they could penetrate. Uh, they could. They could see things. They could get rid of all the dross and they could get rid of all the unnecessary things. Piercing, penetrating eyes and his feet like undefined brass. Also brass signifying judgment. Uh, It's been refined. Uh, They're authoritative. As if they had burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Have you ever been, I've never been, but have you ever been to the Niagara Falls? Anyone? Anyone? I would imagine the sound is quite impressive. Just I've been to smaller waterfalls, but I could only imagine the sound of the Niagara Falls. Could you imagine this voice that John hears behind him, and it sounds... Have you ever heard a big wave crash? I mean, just... It's so... My sound effects aren't working that well. But it's so powerful that it's just, it it just probably just gets to the core of you, right? When you hear that thunderous sound and the water in the ocean and just, it's, it's uncontrollable at times, you know, it's just super impressive. But John is saying, that's, that's what I heard uh, the voice of uh, the Lord sound like. And he says in verse 16, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. You know, the Bible, uh, the word of God, is likened unto a sharp two-edged sword. And here, the one who is the living word that we're reading about in the written word, his voice out of his mouth comes like a sharp two-edged sword. It divides your emotions, your intentions, your soul, your spirit. The word of God is like a two-edged sword right? It's able to divide. It could do whatever. It could be surgical. And even, in fact, when we read later on in, in Revelation 19, he comes back and he smites the, the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming, but out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword. He spoke everything into existence, including the devil, and he'll speak him out of existence if he wants to. That's the power we're talking about. Unlimited power. And look at this. And his countenance, his face, his expression was as the sun that shines in its strength. You know what's fascinating to me? So the sun, our sun, is a relatively small sun, but our earth, you could put a million earths inside our sun, which is a small sun. It takes, what, seven minutes for light to get from the sun to the earth, traveling at 186,000 miles per second. That's the speed of light. So if you think about it, because they're, they're balls, and we're a smaller ball, the earth is a large ball, the sun is going in all different directions, 360. But we only live off of one ray of the sun, one tiny ray that reaches here. It helps the plants grow, helps everything. I mean, we would die without it. But you think about the power of harnessing the power of the sun. People try to do it with solar power, But John is describing the countenance of Jesus as the power of the sun, just looking at him. It's no wonder that Jesus doesn't even, when you go back to Revelation 19, 
He destroys everything by the brightness of his coming. He just shows up, turns the lights on, and everything is done. That's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So John's getting a revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ in fact is. Verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid uh, his right hand on me and said unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. The devil doesn't even have the keys to his own home. I just think that's interesting. You know, when, so, when you give someone keys, you give them authority. Like, you have the authority. Turn on the, turn off, when you go in, turn off the alarm. Uh, you know, turn it on when you leave. It's, you have authority. When you have the keys, you have authority. You give your kid the keys to the car, right? <laughs> authority over the car, you better, you know, respect the law, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So Jesus has the keys of death and hell. Verse 19, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. That to me is the outline of the whole entire book of Revelation. He's seeing Jesus, the things which are, he's seeing the church at that age. And then chapters four and five, church is gone in heaven. He shows this heavenly scene and then 6 through 19, all hell on earth. And then 20 uh, to the end, uh, heaven on earth. And so, um, let me see how I can wrap this up here in the next little bit. My main point is this is John's encounter. It's not your encounter. It's not my encounter. It's John's encounter. But we're, we're reaping the benefits of him writing down his encounter that he had with Jesus Christ. And I'm calling this a catch and release. You get it and you give it, right? You get things from the Lord and you uh, give things out to others. So John saw the Lord and he wrote what he saw. John experienced this encounter and then John expressed his encounter with us. And I'm going to leave you with this next passage. It'll be 1 John chapter uh, 1, also the Apostle John. But look at his heart from the encounters he's had with Christ, look at the heart of the apostle. That which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. How do you touch a word? Unless it, it, it puts on flesh and takes form. And this life, this eternal life was manifested. We've, we've seen it, and we bear witness, and we show unto you that eternal life, because remember, I keep saying all the time, eternal life's not a somewhere, it's a someone. It's not a place, it's a person. And he said, we, we want to show you this eternal life, which was with the Father, manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. He's giving out what he got, that you also may have fellowship with us. Here's the benefit of that, of um, expressing his encounter he, the result would be that others would join the fellowship. When you read 1 John, because there's unbelievers and agnostics in that church, you got to be careful with the pronouns. Us, we, they, them. It's not always you. When I preached in Utah for 13 years, we'd always have people of a contrary faith. And I'd always use pronouns carefully. There's some of us in here that do not have the Lord Jesus Christ living within us. I'm not speaking to Christians, right? 
because you have Christ in you. So um, there's wheats and tares in the church. There's always been. And so John's using these pronouns, but he wants people to come to the saving faith in Christ so that they could be in the fellowship and have the fellowship. Um, and truly our fellowship, our fellowship is with the Father and in his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Here's the takeaways, and then we'll be done. We have all encountered the Lord if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, these aren't subtle pronouns. This is <laughs> very obvious. If you're not a Christian, though, you may, have an, you may have encountered the Creator simply by admiring His creation. I just mentioned the sun. You either think it got there by chance or that the Lord spoke it into existence. Either way, um, you're encountering, you're encountering God, whether you know it or not, just simply from his, his creation. Those of us who are saved are sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. We have encountered his eternal life. You have it. You have it. You've encountered God. Um, the Lord gave his life for us to give his life to us, to live and express his life through us. I love that phrase. I borrowed it from someone else many years ago, and I, I keep using it, and I, I keep tweaking it and reshaping it. But think about um, the prepositions, you know, the where God is. He gave his life for us, to put his life in us, to live his life uh, through us. Life's too short for us to keep the good news all to ourselves or in this building. As we continue to read our Bibles, pray, walk with God, we have the original counter at salvation, but then we keep engaging God also as we walk with him, right? As we sang uh, in our hymns today, uh, as we walk with God and we talk with God and we experience that living, loving relationship that we have with him, that's good for you and you should do that on a personal level, but also it should cause you as often when people had an encounter with God, they wanted to express it with others, right? So lastly, let's express to others the encounter we have experienced with God. I'm not trying to be like mystical or existential or anything. Uh, I'm just talking on a practical level. I know it's kind of hard to, when you're talking about spiritual, spiritual things, uh, it's really hard to convey it sometimes. Um, but let's be like John and give out what we got in so others' joy may be full that they too can have fellowship with us and with the Father.